guess who's back? Paul and the Alfred. Okay, Paul runs in the span. We're gonna get shut out. Gambino! Hip to a home run! Yes, me. Choo choo, it's time for all and the Alfred. That was a good intro. After the weekend that was. After the weekend that was. BGSU laying the egg against Georgia Tech. I gotta wipe this game away. I have to wipe this game away. Because it's finally here. It is finally time. Throw out the records. One record stands alone. 39, 39, and 6. Again, I say it again. 39, 39, and 6. That is the record for both teams against one another between Bowling Green and the University of Toledo. Forget all the losses. Forget all the games that have been pathetic performances by our lack of tackling. Forget about all the bad play calling. By Mike Jenks. You play this game on the field. And it's the truth. You play the game on the field. This game and this matchup. Is one that we have been waiting for. For I've been waiting for since last year's pathetic performance. The fact that. This team is better and stronger on the quarterback front, on the wide receiving front, on the running back front. Tells me one thing. We got a good chance. In the words of Lloyd Christmas from Dumb and Dumber, so you're saying there's a chance. As it is finally time for T-Sun, the school up north, the game is here. It's rivalry week. Finally. Throw out the record books and let's see what happens. But last weekend, Ohio State being Penn State was a tremendous game. Michigan getting back on the winning page from coming from behind. While the Lions lose, and the Browns get screwed. The end of the baseball season ends the way that the Tigers' season has ended. But it all doesn't matter now for baseball because it's finally time to drop the puck. I love you guys, and welcome into this Tuesday edition of All Andy Elford tonight, right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcast Now, however you're listening to me tonight, wherever you're listening to me tonight, 
Thank you for tuning into the program as this is all Andy Alfred. I am your host, the one and only Andy Alfred. And yes, the intro says it best. You know, uh, guess who's back? It's me, of course. As uh, you're listening to me on the plethora of platforms with the Anchor Network, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcast Now, Stitcher, wherever you're listening to me. Yeah, Stitcher is just added. Um, wherever you're listening to me, however you're listening to me, thank you for tuning in the program. You can always be a part of the show, and that is following me on Twitter. It is at all Andy Elford. It is at all Andy Elford. So welcome aboard. A lot to get into tonight. Of course, we're going to talk a little bit about the NHL getting into action tomorrow night. Four games on the docket. We'll talk about that as well as talking about Thursday's show. Yes, you heard that right. A Thursday show. We'll talk about that. Also, we'll recap the baseball season. You'll hear my predictions for this year's playoffs and who will lift the commissioner's trophy at the end of the se- at the end of the playoff spectrum. And you'll also hear my take on uh, special Andy Rance tonight, twofold, one positive and one negative. So, a lot to get into tonight. So, let's dive right down into it. <clears throat> and let's talk about this team out of Wood County, and that is the Bowling Green State University Falcons. This team, I worry about this defense more than anything. More than anything. This defense does not know how to tackle against the run. They don't. And that's what scares me. We can't give up all this yardage. You can't give up all this yardage. You you just can't. You can't give up more than 700 yards, almost 700 yards, over 600 yards of offense in this game. You can't. This is... I mean, this was a shootout. You give up 532 yards of total offense. Now, let's recap before we break into all the game, all the stats and everything like that. So they gave up 532 yards of total offense. The week before, against Miami, they gave up 408. Okay? So 408. The week before that, they gave up 498 against Eastern Kentucky. And before that, before that, they gave up 565 yards of total offense. So they're averaging about 400 yards. 400 yards. 400, 450 yards of total offense, whether it be the run, whether it be the pass. And this weekend what proved it on the run game because we cannot tackle the run game. Marshall looked fantastic for Georgia Tech. He only went 5 of 6 for 160 yards of total passing. Oliver for Georgia Tech. 7 touches for 115 yards, 2 TDs in the game. Madison, 7 touches, 61 yards, 2 TDs in the game. Lynch, this kid Lynch, 1 catch, 41 yards. Camp, 2 catches, 70 yards. 
Total amount of passing yards, 160. On the ground, 372. For a total of 532 yards of total offense. Deggie had a great game. I give Deggie all the credit. 27 for 44, 305. One touchdown, two INTs in the game. Miller had a great game. 10 catches for 117 yards. Derek Poudafon, two catches, 36 yards, and one of them was a TD. Hargrove in the game. No Andrew Clare in the game. Was the leading Hargrove was the leading ball carrier. Six touches for 23 yards. That's right, 23 yards. The total amount of yards Bowling Green had in rushing against Georgia Tech, 63. Not even triple digits. 63 yards of total rushing yards for the game. Bowling Green, 25 first downs. Georgia Tech, 23. Bowling Green, total yards, like I said, 393, 330 in the air, 63 on the ground. Georgia Tech, 532 yards. 160 through the air, 372 yards on the ground. We have to be better than that. Especially against Ganey and the Rocket offense. It's a running quarterback. This kid's a running quarterback. But we'll get to that in just a second. There's a situation with that in just a second. And we can't turn over the ball. We can't turn over the damn ball. Diggy's got to be better than this. And I'm going to say this again. I said this last week. And I said it the week before. I will say it again. Jenks cannot change the play once he sees the line. Go with the play that you've got. Because every time he has changed the play, and it being a passing play, it's been intercepted. Plain and simple. Absolutely plain and simple. Do not change the play at the line. Even if you feel like they're, they know the play and you need to change it, run a different route. Have a guy run a different route. Have the, uh, have the running back come in next to Daigie. Have Claire come next to him. Have Hargrove come next to him. Do something like that to protect the quarterback. Because we cannot have bad turnovers in this game. We cannot be Arby's employees making the bad turnovers. Plain and simple. Bowling Green need this is a game where this week's game and we're on I, the Georgia Tech game, we can scrub this game. I knew we weren't gonna win this game. This was one of those games when I looked at the calendar. I said three losses, Georgia Tech, Oregon, Maryland. We are one and four going into the UT game this week. UT's not as, Toledo's not as great either. But they're at 500 at two and two. Being a VMI team that was FCS. Being a Nevada team that's very, very good. Losing bad to Miami. And last week losing to Fresno State. And we'll get to that game in just a second. 
we have to be ready for this run running quarterback. We have to. We absolutely have to. It's not if we're ready, we have to be ready. And and, and Jank says it will say it in this press conference, we're just gonna play here in just a second. We have to be ready for this quarterback. Because it's gonna be one of those quarterbacks situations. Like always, every Tuesday we play the Mike Jenks press conference. He did not have one on Saturday from Georgia Tech. It's understandable for that. Um, didn't get enough, you know. He probably didn't want to meet with the media after that performance of losing 63-17. to And I wouldn't want to meet the press either. I'll give BG credit on this one. Five penalties for 26 yards. They downsized their penalties a lot. I will give them credit on that. So the players are starting to get, you know, respected. So, like I said, every Tuesday edition of the program, we play the Mike Jenks press conference. He met with the media this past Monday. One thing I did take from this press conference, and I'll play it for you here in just a second, I think he's starting, a lot of these people are starting to notice, especially the media, more and more, about the demeanor of this fan base and the demeanor of this, of this, you know, people jumping ship, and I may mention of it last week. And the stats are still, still there. I I I, I recently contacted somebody, of course. Uh, still, they're still getting calls. They're still talking about revenue being down. Here's the thing, too. Usually, the UTBG game is a sellout. There's still plenty of tickets available for this game. And this is UT's homecoming. I I I I got tickets. I have tickets for this game. I'm looking forward to it. And we'll get to what's happening with the show happening at B, at UT this upcoming Saturday. We'll get to that in just a second. But for right now, let's dive in as always. And like I, like I said, Listen to his demeanor on a couple of the questions, especially one about how the fanship is leaving and jumping ship. In my opinion, and I think, I think my podcast is finally starting to hit home with Mike Jenks. I think it is. Here's the Mike Jenks press conference from Monday night. How was I occupying my time in 2009? Uh, I was preparing probably this week for uh, another rivalry game uh, versus Shirt Clemens, uh, which is a school that we split from. So that's 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 an interesting question. You know something I don't know? That's a scary question. Did somebody call you? No. Oh, okay. But I ask because... So much has changed with most schools, and despite having been close, this rivalry game has not gone PG's way. What would a win mean to everyone here? Well, it would mean a ton. I mean, this game means a lot to our alumni. It means a lot to to our players. It means a lot to our student body. Um, and again, fairly new to it, but it hasn't taken long for me to grasp the importance of it. Um, it's an important game. It is a big game. Um, 
and it is, it is a personal game. So I'm uh, um, excited about uh, the opportunity not just to get back in MAC play. I'm excited to have him early, you know. Hopefully the weather holds off. Uh, we, can, we can pack that place, and we have an environment similar to uh, what it was the last time we went down Despite all the struggles the last couple of years, you've played these guys so tough. Why have you guys been able to get up for this game, do you think? Well, you know, you guys heard it said before that uh, rivalry games, sometimes you can throw you can throw the records out. Um, I don't know why that is. Uh, I don't know that I necessarily believe that. Uh, uh, I think it goes back to a, a matchup standpoint. I think from a schematic standpoint, uh, um, there are things that uh, uh, we're pretty similar in the things we do. So it's kind of like we practice against each other all spring long. So we have a, a little bit of an idea of maybe how to attack one another, and that makes for a uh, an entertaining ball game at times. Can it be? I mean, can it be a season-defining game? It can. It can. It can definitely. Uh, uh, it can definitely turn the tide for us this season. Um, you know, the thing that you have to be, you know, that you have to be careful of uh, uh, is not putting too much on one game because there's still a lot of football left to be played. So, um, you know, it's week two uh, of, of our, our MAC league season. Uh, there's a buzz there. There's an excitement there. Um, you know, I think they've, they've come off, they've come off some couple game, couple tough games this year. Um, you know, I think we're both beat up, banged up a little bit. So, uh, again. Uh, to answer your question, yes, it could, it's a game that can change the season, but you've got to be really careful about not, not, not putting it all on this one game because there's a lot of football left to be played. Along those same lines, does this kind of feel like the, the last chance, just from an outside perspective, to get fans back believing in this season? To... No, there's a, there, 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 there's a ton of football left to be played, and, and our goals are still out in front of us. You know, And, and what, we, what we've got to do is we've got to continue to, to focus, focus on us. Uh, it's not, you know, it's kind of what I talked to kids about a little bit yesterday. You know, I'm really ticked at myself a little bit because we buy into what people say or th- what people think. I don't want to talk anymore about the schedule. You know what I mean? I don't want to talk about how it's front load. I don't want to talk about any of it because what you're doing is you're putting doubt into your mind because we played in those games, even the other day. You know, okay, we're playing Georgia Tech. They've got an explosive offense. We still are trying to look at how to stop them. You know, we ain't stopped them yet. But you know what? If your mind's right and, 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 and we go out and we score on the first possession, we score on the second possession, we get a snap through our hands. And at that time, everybody's mind goes, well, hell, why are we here? You know, and, and we've got to get that out. That's got to go away because the, the approach and the mindset has got to be attack, 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 and belief and belief and belief. So um, that's my message to our, to our players and to our coaches yesterday. Don't forget what anybody is thinking, forget what anybody's saying, you know, and start having some fun again. You know what I mean? Uh, we, we play this game, we coach this game because it's a kid's game and we love it. You know, and you don't allow anyone to take that away from you. So uh, um, that'll be our approach uh, the rest of the season, and that'll be our approach for this ball game. And outside of this building and this school, it feels like a lot of people have supported you and really wanting to succeed or beginning to jump ship. How do you, how do you keep that? How much do you feel that negative energy? I, I think I just addressed that, you know, and, and really, uh, you, you can, you can, it's, it's, you, you got to worry about the things that you can control, you know, and really, I've got my life in pretty good perspective, you know, and, and again, uh, uh, this is my profession, and I love doing it. I approach this the same way that I approached the junior high game that I coached 22 years ago. I approach it the same way that I called offensive when I was offensive coordinator in high school. I approach it the same way when I was at Texas Tech. It doesn't change. 
and it will not change. It's about, you know, giving everything you have to this profession, and it's about getting the most you possibly can out of these student athletes. You know, this book has a bunch of chapters left to be written. You know, and when, it, when the book is written, it's dead and closed, then you can go write and you can go post what you want to post. I mean, a lot of guys have been sitting in the same situation I have, and they've got it turned. And where you, when you don't get it turned, or when you lose your team, or any of those things, when you let people start to get in your head, or outside entities start to get in your head, all right? So this is not an impossible thing to get done, it's, it, by any means. It's been done before. You know, we, we're, we're doing things the right way. Uh, we're getting quality student athletes in here. And we will have success. And it's on me to make sure that our students understand that. So that's going to be my answer to any of those things moving forward, period. Sorry. Um, specifically about Toledo. Yes. Um, obviously, Godani went down the other day. We don't know if he's going to play yet or not. Um, <laughs> how do you approach it when you don't know who the quarterback will be? Uh, we're going to approach it as if he's going to play. Now, Will went in and threw two touchdowns uh, the other night. And, you know, while he may not be as mobile uh, 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 as six, uh, he's still more than capable of, uh, of um, leading that offense. They got a ton of talent, man. They got a ton of talent. They probably, from a skill set standpoint, probably have the most explosive group of re receivers, not even in our conference, but probably they're right up there with anybody in the nation. Um, so that will be a challenge, but uh, we must prepare for the quarterback run game, what, you know, because I, I just, you know, that's kind of who they've been, and I think whether six is in the game, 12 in the game, I don't think it's going to make a difference. They're probably going to continue to attack us the same way um, because, again, uh, those are areas that we struggled in. Um, you know, the Miami game, I really thought from a schematic standpoint that uh, defensively they look like uh, they started to to grasp some of the concepts that we're, that we're trying to get to, to, to get taught. Uh, you know, they, they played great on, on third down and, and were able to get, get the offense the ball enough to where we could have made it a game or even given us a chance to, to win the game. want to see them grow from that standpoint. You know, not overlooking the Georgia Tech game, but, you know, when you're installing a new defense, uh, you come in, you got to put a new scheme in to stop the triple option, and you get there, and what it came down to, um, Georgia Tech executed it well. Uh, we knew that we had to load the box. We knew we had to all the safeties up in there. And just, just you know, hey, they, got, they can't complete 90% of these deep balls. Well, he completed five or six. He completed over 90%. And when that happens, uh, it becomes an issue, and you've got to back guys up into the middle of the field. And then on a couple of plays there, when you've got one of your best players and one of your best athletes trying to on the pitch and he can't catch him, you're going to have an issue in a ball game. And so that is that. Uh, um, I look forward to them playing well. They'll rise up and they'll play well set. Since the Oregon game, you guys haven't gotten the run game going the way that you hoped. As it stands out, are you Nick, you, too much you, you really got to bring that up right there? <laughs> yes, but are you putting too much pressure on the passing game, getting them in too many third and longs, that type of thing? Well, we were really good on third down last week, and we kind of used the quick passing game as our running game, and we are fairly efficient with it. Um, you know, those are things that we may have to do. You know, I hope that they want to come down and want to stop that. I mean, Georgia Tech chose not to. Miami chose not to. Um, the couple of times they did come down and press, Scotty ran right by them. So it's my hope that, that, that we can get some, um, some opportunities. I saw a stat, and I don't know, Jason might have sent it to me. Uh, I think we're number two in the country uh, with, with over uh, ten play scoring drives. You know, that, that's, you know, that's, you can look at it two ways. You can look at it and say, okay, 
uh, we can be methodical. You know, we're not making a ton of mistakes. We can move the ball. Or you can look at it, we're not making enough explosive plays. And that, that's going to be the key to this ball game. We're going to have to find some explosives because they will. I mean, they've proven that they will, and we're going to have to, we're going to, have to match them. Toledo has given up some points. Are there things that you've seen that you guys can exploit? They played some really good teams. They played some really good teams that, with, 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 with some guys that can really run. So are we. Um, but, uh, um, you know, it, it's going to be a, a ball game to where there will be several situations where guys are one-on-one on both sides, offense and defensively. Uh, and people got to step up and people are going to make plays. So what I can tell you from an offense and defense and, uh, standpoint, and I know they're going to do the same thing, we're going to be aggressive. We're, we're going to be aggressive and we're going to throw the kitchen sink at them. Um, and I got a funny feeling they're going to do the same thing. Might be a lot of fun. <laughs> What's it take to get that run game going? I mean, I guess as you look at it, what are the issues with the offensive line? Well, um, you got to block them. You know, it starts kind of right, right there. You got to block them, and we got to do a better job of blocking them. Do you take anything away defensively from last week's game, or you just kind of? I no. Well, here's what you got to do, guys. And here's how I approach it. Here's what I, I mean, calling the defensive guys about. I mean, it's it's embarrassing. It is what it, it's embarrassing. I mean, we didn't stop, not once. Um, you know, you go and you look at it from a fundamental standpoint. All right, defensive end. All right, how does this work into our schematic, into our scheme? Okay, and we go and you take those cut ups and you show those cut ups. You know, when it's his base defense, how it fits into what we do on a daily basis. All right. And, and other than that, you burn it. You burn it, and then you bury it, and you move on. Now, what we'll do is we'll come back in the spring, and you come back, and you got to learn from it now. You can't just throw it away. We'll come back in the spring, and you try to make your notes. And you kind of, from a schematic standpoint, you know, what could we have done different here and there? And you really dive into it. Right now is not the time. Right now, what can we learn from it immediately from a fundamental standpoint as far as these kids' technique? Burn it. Bury it. Go get after Toledo. How heartbreaking have some of these losses been, and what's that feeling like in the locker room when you walk off when you walk off the field, specifically losing against Toledo? Losing sucks. All right, and, and it's not fun, and it takes the fun out of this game. Um, you know, and, and coming to these games versus Toledo, uh, um, those guys have given us everything that we had, and 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 uh, you know, really want to see again starting to really this it's it's become. It's a big game, and, it's, and I want to say personal because it is a game, but it is, it's, it's a, um, we've got a very prideful group, and this game means a lot to us. That was Mike Jenks from his press conference this past Monday. And you heard right there from Mike Jenks the fact that, you know, I mean, it sucks to lose, in this, especially this rivalry. 39-39-4, my friends. That is the record. The series is tied between the two teams. This is a big one. You know, I have right here in my hand, you can hear it muscling, the copy of the Toledo Blade today. On the front cover on the sports page, right here. It says, Rivalry Week Begins. Toledo ready, readies for BGSU after wake-up call 
at Fresno State. Yeah, they did get beat by Fresno State. And we'll talk about that here in just a second. But I scroll down, and uh, there was this article today by Nicholas, by for their beat writer for BG Sports, and it's Nicholas Petrosky, and it's about uh, the Bowling Green Center cable at Bright. He underwent hospitalization because of heat-related illness on Friday uh, after Saturday's game against Georgia Tech. Bright suddenly became started but became ill after the game and required immediate medical attention at Bobby Dobbs Stadium in Atlanta, Georgia. I visited with Caleb very briefly after the ball game, and I know he had started to cramp in one of his legs. Jenks also wrote it. Once they got him back, there was a tr- in the training room, things kind of escalated a little bit. From there, medical personnel then made the decision to transport him to an Atlanta hospital for further treatment and evaluation. It all turned out to be a heart-related issue. He's going to make a full recovery out of this. Jenks praised the quick action by Daniel Copes, oh, Darren, Danny Copes, BG's head football trainer, and Dr. Jeffrey Knowles, the BGSU head team physician, as well as Georgia Tech, and giving Bright the attention he needed right away. Hats off to Danny and Doc and Georgia Tech and their staff. They jumped right into it immediately. Bright's father, Scott, said words cannot express his gratitude to the medical personnel who acted decisively in the tight, tense situation. Heart stroke, that's what they said, claims, excuse me, heat stroke claims the life of one division football lineman earlier this past season. And, and so, and that was in Maryland's Jordan McNair, McNair dying at 19 after collapsing during an off-season workout two weeks earlier. And the conditions during the game on Saturday, I mean, they were warm. It was an 83-degree day in Atlanta, Georgia. At the end of the game, it reached 85. And uh, Jenks wrote it, also said, uh, although Bright is uh, has returned, team does not know whether or not he'll be be returning to full football activities. He's unlikely to play this Saturday against BG, but Jenks said the program will be prioritized Bright's well-being above anything related to football. Right now, it's not about a, about football or anything else. It's about making sure that this kid is safe. I give Jenks credit on that part. I give him tons of credit on that part. And, and I give the BGSU staff and the and the doctors and Georgia Tech for helping this kid out. I gave him tons of credit for that. Plain and simple. I mean that was, um, you know that that's a serious situation. You don't you never want to see that happen. You never want to see that happen to especially this young kid. This kid's a young kid. So, you know, our thoughts and prayers are with him. As he makes a speedy recovery. Caleb Bright, our thoughts and prayers are with you and your family. So, like I said, this sets up this week's matchup. BG taking on the University of Toledo. We're dedicating this. We're dedicating Saturday's show to that. We will be at the tailgate lots Saturday morning. BGSU, the University of Toledo. And Toledo coming off 
of a loss on the West Coast to Fresno State. B- UT was in this game for most of the game, and then Fresno State turned on the heat. And Fresno beats Toledo 49-27. McMurray, 24 for 31, 368, four touchdowns, one INT in the game. Mims, 15 carries for 59 yards, one touchdown. He also had six receptions for 126 yards and one TD in the game. Johnson, six catches for 102 yards, two TDs in the game. Peters in the game, 10 for 21, 179, two touchdowns, one INT. Like they mentioned in the press conference, Ganey, eight throws for 55 yards. I mean, eight carries for 55 yards. He got knocked out of the game for a concussion. For a concussion, folks. Johnson, six catches for 112 yards, two TDs in the game. Breakdown looks like this. Toledo had 21 first downs, Fresno State 24. Fresno State had total yards of offense 554 to 375 for the University of Toledo, 238 for on the and through the air for Toledo, 137 on the ground. Fresno State 368 on in the air, 186 on the ground. Toledo had three penalties for 25 yards. Fresno State three penalties for 45 yards. Both teams turned it over Monday, and with Nagini having the press count. Uh, Having the concussion, uh, Matt Cannell, the coach for University of Toledo, had their presser on Monday as well too. We don't have the audio for that, but he did. He did talk about um, Ganey's uh, status. Uh, Cannell confirmed starting quarterback Mitch McGaney suffered a concussion in the loss of Fresno State, and the Rockets don't know if they will have the services of their starter against the Falcons. Candle says ideally he would like to get Ganey back practicing Tuesday, but the situations will have him monitoring during the week should Ganey be unable to play sophomore. Eli Peters will get his first career start. He, like I said, went 10 for 21 against Fresno State with two touchdowns and interception, but he was also sacked four times. And like he, like Jenks said, like Jenks said in the press conference, like he said in the press conference, this kid is not a running quarterback. And but I would be like, like he said, playing it for Ganey to be the starting quarterback in this game. And I personally think that he will start. <clears throat> he had some, you know, Woodside had some good numbers last year, and that was his last year. <clears throat> For me, the fact is, can this team show up? Will it be the same team we saw against Eastern Kentucky that battled out from being down in the game and rallying? Or will this be a team that folded against Georgia Tech? Will it be a team against that folded against Oregon? And will the, and will the play calling be there? We shall see. This is a big week. I can't pick. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna pick this game right now. The opening lines looks like this. UT's favored by 20 points in this game. It is extremely early. Ganey without him, it's a 20 points. If it was Ganey in the game, I would think this is gonna be a 35 point spread. Like I said, it's just too early. 
to make a call on this game. I'm not calling BG. I'm not going to call UT yet. This is a uh, this is a rivalry game. You check all the the re- you check all both season records for both teams to the side. You put this in the put this into the field and the record overall for both teams against one another is 39-39 and 4. So we'll see what happens. We will see what happens. As you're listening to All Andy Elford tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcast Now, Stitcher, and however you're listening to me and wherever you're listening to me, thank you for tuning in to the program tonight. Let's dive a little bit more in the college football spectrum. And how about that Buckeye game this past weekend? Oh, what a fantastic game. You know, a lot of me thought... A lot of me thought that Ohio State was going to lose this football game. I bet you a lot of you thought it was too. You know, the play of Trace McSorley and how highly he was tauted by both Kirk Curbstreet and, and, and Chris Fowler through that game was just absolutely atrocious. And Herbie's a, ho- a homer towards Ohio State. I give you that. I'll give you that right now. And he was he was bearing Ohio State in that in this game. How Haskins was being flushed out of the pocket, and he couldn't you know he he was getting flustered. He couldn't make the plays and stuff like that. He made the plays at the right time, and it was quick passes helped this team win the game. As Ohio State. Beat Penn State in the whiteout, 27-26. Fantastic game. And why would you run for it on 4th and 3? That is the most stupidest play I have ever seen. The defense knew you were running running that ball. You had three wide receivers to the left. A quick slant pass. And you would have had the first down if you were Penn State. But instead, you handed the football up to Sanders. And they that's what caused them to lose the game. Haskins, 22 for 39, two, three touchdowns, 270 yards passing, one INT. And that INT was a fluke. It was tipped in the air, and was going to be brought down. It was going to be brought down. J.K. Dobbins, 17 touches for 57 yards, 1 TD. He also had 2 catches for 61 yards and 1 TD in the game. Campbell, 7 catches for 60 yards. K.J. Hill, 6 catches for 59 yards, 1 TD in the game. For Trace McSorley, he was 16 for 32, 268, 2 touchdowns, no INTs. He also carried the ball 25 times for 175 yards. No touchdowns recorded. Kid, kid lit it up in the run game. Sanders, 16 catches for 43 yards. Hamler, four catch, uh, 16 carries for 43 yards. One touchdown for Sanders. K- Hamler, four catches for 138 yards. One TD in the game. Breakdown looks like this. Ohio State had 21 first downs to Penn State's 22. 
Ohio State had 389 yards of total offense, 270 through the air, 119 on the ground. Penn State, 492 yards of total offense, 286 on in the air, 206 on the ground, 7 penalties for 64 yards. Ohio State, 10 penalties for 105 yards. You can't have that happen against Penn State. Both teams turned over the ball one time. So Ohio State now will return home, play a couple of chump teams. They, you know, and this game determined, in my opinion, who won the Big Ten altogether. That's what it is. Now, barring some, you know, crazy things happening, barring anything crazy happens, I think Ohio State can run the table now. They will get a run from Michigan. They'll get a run from Michigan State. But other than that, I I I just don't I just don't see it happening. I just don't. I just don't see it happening. I don't see them losing another football game. I really don't. But how about how bad Michigan was? Struggling against Northwestern? You didn't need the fourth quarter to rally in this game? The fourth quarter to rally in the game. Oh. I'm I'm worried for you Michigan fans. I'm extremely worried. But they did get the win overall over Northwestern by only 3 points as they beat Northwestern 20 to 17. Patterson, 15 for 24, 196, no touchdowns through the air, no INTs. That's good to see. Higgin, 30 carries for 115 yards, two TDs. Collins, six catches for 73 yards, no touchdowns. Guthrie, three catches for 46 yards, no TDs in the game. Thorson, 16 for 27 for Northwestern, 174, zero touchdowns, zero on no INTs. Morton, the fourth, 13 touches for 36 yards, one TD in the game. Nagel, six catches for 65 yards, no touchdowns for Northwestern in the game. Other scores to pass along to you from the, from the NCAA top 25 as well. Uh, Central Michigan loses to Michigan State 31-20. to Rutgers loses to Indiana 24-17. It was the Purdue Boilermakers beating the Nebraska Cornhuskers 42-28. Army getting the surprise win over Buffalo 42-12. UMass loses to Ohio 52-42. Miami Redhawks getting a win over, actually losing to Western Michigan by 1.40-39. In triple overtime, NIU beats Eastern Michigan 26-23. 16-ranked Miami beats uh, North Carolina 47-10. Alabama, the Crimson Tide, beat Louisiana 56-14 and continued to roll tide through the college football season. Clemson, a winner 27-23 over Syracuse, and Clemson loses their starting quarterback. Oh, and Babers had a chance to pull the upset, and I said this on Friday's show. Oh, 
If the game was played at the Carrier Dome, Clemson would lose. Oh, I was so close. Good thing I still picked Clemson in that game, as Clemson beat Syracuse 27-23. 25th ranked Texas Tech loses to West Virginia, 12th ranked West Virginia, 42-34. It was the second ranked Georgia Bulldogs, a winner 38-12 were the Tennessee Volunteers. Sixth ranked Oklahoma beats Baylor 66-33. Texas with Tom Herman gets the win 19-14. UCF a winner 45-14 over the Pitt Panthers. UCF was 13th ranked in the country. Auburn gets the 24-13 win over Southern Mississippi. Mississippi State gets the loss and gets knocked down by Florida 13-6. Duke also getting getting upset by Virginia Tech, who lost the week before to Old Dominion. Virginia Tech, the winner, 31-14. And it was also South Carolina loses to Kentucky 24-17. Kentucky, the 17th-ranked team in the country. BYU loses to Washington 35-7. 11th ranked Washington, 20th BYU. Ole Miss getting the win, 5th ranked, 45-16 over Ole Miss. It was also Oregon losing to Cal, 42-24. But it set up a big matchup for the Pac-12 as Stanford went into Notre Dame to take on the Fighting Irish and the Irish cruising, getting the win and putting a shellacking on Stanford. And in my opinion now, Notre Dame puts themselves in the table to possibly get a top four spot in the college football playoff. Now you think about, you think you're looking at me and you're thinking in the spectrum of, oh my God, he's not really saying this. Please tell me he's not saying that Notre Dame's got a chance. They do have a chance. I think Notre Dame's got a strong, strong chance of making the college football playoff and possibly, possibly winning the college football playoff. I think the play that they have had and the teams they have beaten so far, beating a Stanford team, beating Michigan, beating Wake Forest. This week they get they get Virginia Tech on the national stage, on national television. There's a strong possibility that Notre Dame can run the table. And I think they will. And I think they'll get the number four spot. They've got two tough tests left. They have the Army. And they've got USC at the end of the season. In Southern Cal. They win that game against USC. You bet your ass they're going to take Gee in the top playoff spot. Not in the number one spot, but at least the four. So watch out, the Irish are coming. And it showed in the in the in the polls this past week. It showed in the polls this past week. Top ten, top twenty-five looks like this in the AP. Alabama at number one, Georgia at two, Ohio State now three, Clemson four, LSU five, Notre Dame now at number six. They were eight last week, they're now six. Oklahoma is seven, Auburn eight. West Virginia 9, Washington 10, Penn State falls from 9 to 11, UCF 12, Kentucky 13, Stanford 14, Michigan fall takes to 15th, 
Wisconsin 16, Miami 17, Oregon 18, Texas 19, Michigan State goes to 20th. 21st rank, Colorado. Florida is now 22nd rank. 23rd rank is NC State. Virginia Tech now goes to 24th rank after not being ranked last week. And Oklahoma State is 25th ranked in the country. So those are the college football predict uh, top 25. And you heard my take on it. This is rivalry week. We have the Red River shootout between Oklahoma and Texas. We have the, the Battle of I-75 and the Battle of the Peace Pipe happening between Bowling Green and the University of Toledo. And there's a couple more rivalries. And we'll talk more about that on the Friday edition of All Andy Alfred right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcast Now, Stitcher, wherever you're listening to me, however you're listening to me, thank you for tuning into the program tonight. And now let's dive into the NFL. Boy, oh boy, did the NFL really screw the Browns in this situation. Before we get to the Browns getting screwed, let's talk about the Lions. The Lions looked really good. And before I even begin with the Lions, why in God's name did we decide to wear the longest yard uniforms? The gray uniforms with the blue sides, white socks, the gray helmet, it looked like damn prison guards. Like, we should have wore the, the, the teal blue. It was embarrassing. It was about as embarrassing as some of the play from the Lions. I mean, they were decent in the game, keeping it close, but in the end, they get the loss over Dallas 26-24. After riding the high, that was New England. The Lions are now one and four. Should be one and three. Could be one and four this upcoming week. Because they play Green Bay. We'll see. Stafford, 24 for 30, 307, two touchdowns, no INTs. Johnson. Nine touches for 55 yards. One TD. Golden Tate, eight catches for 132 yards. Two TDs in the game. Kenny Galloway, four catches for 74 yards. No touchdowns in the game. Dak Prescott having a gem of a game. Better than he's been before. 17 for 27. 255. Two TDs. No INTs in the game. Zeke Elliott, 25 touches for 152 yards. He had also four catches for 88 yards and one TD in the game. Cole Beasley, four catches for 53 yards, zero touchdowns in the game. Total yards, Dallas had 414 yards, 236 to the air, 183 on the ground. Detroit, 286, excuse me, yeah, 286 for the Lions through the air, 96 on the ground for the, for the Lions, 236 for Dallas, 183 on the ground for Dallas. Both teams... Dallas was heavily penalized in the game. He had eight penalties. The Lions only having two. So the Lions now getting ready to play Green Bay this upcoming week. We'll see what happens. But the Browns getting screwed over by the NFL. And I'm just not, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this, fan, folks. I think the NFL wanted to get John Gruden to win in this one. 
I'm sorry. Something doesn't feel right. And they got screwed. They got hosed in this game. You see the high you have seen the highlight over and over again. That was clearly a first down more than ever. More than ever has that been a first down. My stupid cat can tell that's a first down. And he doesn't need the yellow line because he's colorblind. It's a first down more than ever. And the the Browns get screwed again. As they lose to the Raiders... 45-42. 45-42. Baker Mayfield making his debut start. His first start. 21 for 41. 295. Two TDs. Two INTs in the game. Great game for Baker Mayfield. In my opinion, it was probably, you know, as advertised. Nick Chubb. Three carries. 105 yards. Two TDs in the game. Carlos Hyde. 22 carries for 82 yards. One TD in the game. Jarvis Landy. Landry, four catches for 34 yards, one TD in the game. Derek Carr had a good game, 35 for 58, 437 through the air, four touchdowns, two INTs in the game. Uh, Marshawn Lynch, beast mode, goes 20 carries for 130 yards, no TDs in the game. Amari Cooper, eight catches for 128, one TD in the game. And Cook, six catches for 110 yards, two TDs in the game. So the Browns getting screwed again. And we'll see what happens with the Browns going forward. You know, and they've got division games now. They've got division games now. Other NFL scores. The Rams were a winner 38-31 on Thursday night football. How about Cincinnati coming from behind and beating the Atlanta Falcons 37-36 and shutting down Matt Ryan? And Atlanta's in trouble, folks. Atlanta's in trouble. I'll give you a team that's not in trouble right now. That's the Chicago Bears. Bear down, my friends, as they cruise and beat Ryan Fitzpatrick at taking him out of the game, putting Jameis Winston back into the starting position as the Bears beat the Bucks 48-10. Green Bay shutting out the Buffalo Bills 22-0. And I had some friends go up to that game. I know Chris Cardan, uh Zach Murray. I know Zach Murray's a, a big uh, Green Bay Packers fan. He enjoyed his time up there. I know, uh, like I said, Chris Cardan went up there to see the Bills. I'm sorry that your Bills choked the big one there for you. How about Indianapolis? And I'm sorry for for Phil and for Roberto and and to, and to Jim. What is wrong with your coach? Making that decision. Stupid coaching. And Houston gets the win. By a field goal, 37-34. Oh, my God. I thought I, that was stupid. Jacksonville a winner, 31-12 with the Jets. New England was a win- winner, 31-7 over Miami. Philadelphia loses to Tennessee in a surprising fashion, 26-23. to Seattle gets the win over Arizona, 20-17. San Francisco, 27. The Chargers, 24. And the Chargers in this game 
the building, the Universal Studios Arena, wherever they were they play at, was filled with 49er fans. This is showing you that the Chargers aren't working in LA. Should have kept them in San Diego, NFL. Good idea there. Good idea there, Kamish. New Orleans getting the win 33-18 over the New York football Giants. On Sunday night, Baltimore getting the 26-14 win over Pittsburgh. And how about Kareem Hunt on Monday night football willing the Kansas City Chiefs to a come-from-behind win down 10 against the Broncos and winning it 27-23. So we'll see what happens. Thursday night football looks like this. Indianapolis at New England. I'll take New England in that game. As you're listening to All Andy Alford tonight, right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcast Now, wherever you're listening to me, however you're listening to me, thank you for tuning into the program tonight. And now let's dive in as we have finally hit the end of the Major League Baseball season. And the baseball season ends like the Tigers season has ended, being swept by the Brewers. And this was a big weekend for the Brewers. It started Friday night. Milwaukee gets the win 6-5. Sora gets the win. He goes to 2-4 with a 3.19 ERA. Altora gets the loss for Detroit. He's 1-1 with a 2.40 ERA. Duel Lugo homered his first as a Detroit Tiger. Yelich his 34th. Ryan Braun his homer twice his 19th and 20th of the season. As Jeffers gets the save his 14th. Of the season, then Saturday after Saturday evening, it was the Tigers losing again to the Brewers six to five. Soria the win three and four with a three point one three ERA, stumped the loss. He goes to one and five with a four point nine three ERA. Jeffers to save his fifteenth of the season as Nick Castellanos homered his twenty third of the season as Yelich homered twice in the game his thirty fifth and thirty sixth of the season. We get to Sunday, and like the typical Tigers season. It ends with a big old goose egg, no championships, no division crowns, just nothing but a big old zero as the Tigers were shut out by the Brewers, 11-0. Jacob Turnbull, 0-2 with a 6.06 ERA. Gonzalez, the winning goes to 10-11 with a 4.21 ERA. Aguilar and Shaw all homering in the game as the Tigers finish this season at 64 in 98. Not the year that I was expecting of the Tigers. And I didn't I wasn't banking on a lot on the Tigers, but 64 and 98. 64 and 98. Unbelievable. But we have at least one team in the in the area that's making the postseason. That's the Cleveland Indians. And the Indians Rolled through Kansas City in their final stands of the se- season. That's a cruise pass since uh, Kansas City 14 to 6 on Friday night. Clevenger, the win, he goes to 13 and 8 with a 3.02 ERA. Kennedy, the loss, he goes to 3 and 9 with a 4.66 ERA. Goodwin Homer for Kansas City, his sixth of the season as Kepi goes yard his 18th of the year and Josh Donaldson his eighth of the season. Saturday saw Kansas City get the, getting the better of, of Cleveland. 
as Andrew Miller gets the loss, he goes to 2-4 and four with a 4.24 ERA. Jose Ramirez homered his 39th of the year. Jandis the win. He goes to 9-12 and 12 with a 4.42 ERA. Mardozzi homering for Kansas City his 14th of the year. Then he gets Sunday, and Cookie Carrasco on the bump gets the win. He and the Tribe finish the season on the winning page as Cleveland wins 2-1 over Kansas City. Cookie with the win, 17-10 with the 3.38 ERA. Skylord, the loss, he goes to 1-6 with a 5.14 ERA. Lindor homered his 38th of the season. Bauer the save, his first of the season. So the standings look like this to end the baseball season. It ended like this, folks. In the American League Central, the Cleveland Indians... Finished 91 and 71. Minnesota finished 78 and 84. Detroit 64 and 98. Detroit finishing 64 and 98. Chicago 62 and 100. And Kansas City 58 and 104. In the American League East, it was Boston finishing on top at 108 and 54 with the first spot. The Yankees 162, 162. Tampa 90 and 72, Toronto 73 and 89, and the pathetic Baltimore Orioles finish at 47 and 115, 61 games out of first place. The West looks looked like this: Houston 103 and 59, Oakland 97 and 65, Seattle 89 and 73, the Angels 80 and 82, and Texas. 67 to 95, and then you get to the senior circuit. Atlanta wins the East, 90 and 72. Washington, 82 and 80. Philadelphia, 82, 80 and 82. The Mets were 77 and 85, and the Miami Marlins, 63 and 98. Then you got to the rest of the division in the National League. You had a one-game playoff between the Brewers and the Cubs. And you also had a playing game between the Dodgers and the Rockies. The first time has ever happened in Major League history that you've had two playing games to decide the division. Unbelievable. And the Brewers beating the Cubs sets up the Brewers to get the number one spot because they finished with a record of 96 and 67. The Cubs in the wild card game this evening. At 95 and 68, the Cardinals 88 and 74, Pittsburgh 82 and 79, and the Reds at 67 and 95. The National League West, the Dodgers getting the win over the over the Rockies yesterday afternoon. They win the NL West with a record of 92 and 71. Colorado 91 and 72. The Diamondbacks 82 and 80. San Francisco 73 and 89. And the Padres at 66 and 96. John Lester on the hill tonight for the Cubs. He'll take on, uh, oh my God, uh, who was the starter tonight? Off the top of my head, I forget off the top of my head, but I'm gonna take the Rockies in this game. I think Colorado's a good club. They're a very, very good club. I'll take the Rockies. So it sets up for this for the MLB prediction for me. For this postseason. So you had the first wild card game tonight. Colorado and Chicago. 
I'm going to take Colorado. So Colorado will play Milwaukee. Atlanta will take on the Dodgers. I And all these series are best of five at the start. I have Milwaukee taking the series against Colorado in five games. Atlanta taking the series against the Dodgers in four games. Then you get over to the American League. Boston plays the winner of Oakland and New York in the wild card game. I'll take the A's to beat the Yankees. And the A's are going to be using bullpen pitchers in the game. I like that. So I'll have Oakland taking on Boston. And then Houston is playing Cleveland. I'll take the Indians in five over the over the Astros. Then Boston over Oakland in five. Boston versus Cleveland. I'll take Cleveland in a full six. And so that sets up Cleveland versus Milwaukee in the World in the World Series. And I will take the Indians in six games. And it all starts for the Indians in the road to the World Series Friday afternoon at 2.05. It's Corey Kluber on the hill. 20-7 with a 2.89 ERA will take on Justin Verlander, who's 16-9 with a 2.52 ERA. That, that's 2.05 this upcoming Friday against <clears throat> on TBS. Saturday at 4.37 start time for that one. He'll be Cookie Carrasco, 17-10 with a 3.38 ERA. He'll take on Garrett Coles, 15-5 with a 2.28 ERA. Sunday, the series, excuse me, Monday, the series moves to Cleveland. Mike Clevenger on the hill, 13-8 with a 3.02 ERA. Uh, Dallas Keiko on the hill, 12-11 with a 3.74 ERA. Both teams have not yet named starters for Game 4 and Game 5 if necessary. And all those games, all the American League games on TBS, all the National League games on Fox Sports 1, as well as on MLB Network, as you're listening to All Andy Alford tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcast Now, however you're listening to me and wherever you're listening to me, thank you for tuning into the program tonight. And now let's hit the ice. Yes, I can finally say it. Let's hit the ice. The NHL is back, baby. The NHL is back and in full force, and tomorrow night, Starts the NHL faceoff, which is the NHL kickoff games. Four games on the docket, two in the Canadian spectrum and two in the American spectrum. Tomorrow starts it off at 7 o'clock as the Toronto Maple Leafs head into Montreal to take on the Canadiens. We'll see the first start of with Jonathan Tavares in games that are actually meaningful, not in preseason action, but Toronto, Montreal, tomorrow night, 7 o'clock. That game on Rogers Sportsnet, and that is a part of the Hockey Night in Canada feed up in Canada. So we'll see what happens with that. 7.30 on NBCSN sees the banner raising happening in D.C. as the Boston Bruins head into Capital One Arena to see the banner raising with Alexander Ovechkin and the Washington Capitals. The 10 o'clock game looks like this. Calgary is in Vancouver. And the 10:30 game, Anaheim is in San Jose. Uh, to make note of this as well, too, uh, John Tortorella has released the the lineups for the Blue Jackets, and it is going to be a interesting 
lineup, to say the least. The Jackets making their announcement yesterday. Actually, yeah, actually this today. Setting the opening roster for the season. And the surprising factor is that Jonas Corposala will start the season in the net against Detroit. This upcoming Thursday night when we're up in Detroit. Unbelievable. They push Bob to the side. He's going to be second chair for this opening night game. And I can see that because Bob can get the home opener against Carolina. But like I said, Bob and the club making several roster moves prior to submitting the opening night roster. So here's what the roster forwards look like this. It'll be Panarin, Wemberg, Atkinson, Dubitsky, Dubois, Riley Nash, Sonny Milano, Bjorkstrand, Marcus Hanekainen, Boone Jenner, Lucas Sedlak, Nick Foligno, Josh Anderson, and the new kid Anthony Duclair. On the defensive pairings, it'll be Scott Harrington, Adam Glendening, Zach Warinsky, Dean Kukin, Gabriel Carlson, David Savard, and Marcus Neumavarin. And like I said, the goaltending situation, it will be Jonas Corposalo 1, Sergei Bobrovsky 2. In addition to that, Seth Jones and Ryan Murray were sent to the IR. So Ford Alex Broadhurst and goaltender Mika Kendricks were all signed to the Cleveland Monsters. And the Cleveland Monsters, so they, it, the, the Jackets have made move, two moves in to submit its 23-man roster to the club for the start of the season this upcoming week. Looking forward to that. So, but the surprise for me, like I said, Corpusalo getting bumped, bumping him up to be the number one against Bob. That says a lot. That says a lot. And that's starting to scare me more and more now. That Bob might not be coming back. But we'll see. We'll see. If you're listening to all Andy L for tonight. Right here on the Anchor Network. Uh, one one uh, other note to pass along to you. Auden Hirschfeld, the captain of the Toledo Walleye, announced his retirement today. Uh, his injury has sidelined him for the rest of his playing career. He is now a assistant coach with Dan Watson and the Toledo Walleye team. And the Walleye are on the ice. They have been practicing. They'll have their first preseason game Friday night in Kalamazoo. And then they'll return home on Saturday to play the Kalamazoo Wings at the Huntington Center. Tickets are available for that game. Tickets, I believe, are ten dollars a piece, and it's standing. It is a general admission, so you can sit wherever you want. It is a preseason game, so take it with a grain of salt. So that's that for you there. And uh, we get down to Andy Rants, and tonight's rant is a little bit different. It's a twofold situation. Uh, we'll start with the bad, and we'll end with the good. The bad. This past week, again, the NFL and their new and their television policies have screwed the local Toledo fans out of the chance to see the starting quarterback Baker Mayfield making his debut start. Of course, if you don't know, uh, Channel 11 or WTOL here in Toledo was purchased by was um, purchased Fox 36. Fox 36 runs all of 
the NFC and Fox games. And the Fox games are run through for the Detroit Lions. So when the Lions game ended, a lot of us were thinking that they were going to put the Browns game on because of the market situation. And you figured it would have been it would have been a safe bet. We were in the market, we're in the area. But because it was an AFC teams matching up, they decided not to show it. I wish the NFL would break this rule to cities and communities that have an AFC and an NFC team that are in close vicinity to one another. It kills me to see that Browns fans have to go to Frickers or to find to not spend the money on Buckeye cable system and go to buy DirecTV to get the Sunday tickets so they can be able to watch the games, buying the online packages, using using a free clickbait website that could be full of viruses that could hack into your computer system just to watch the Browns. The NFL needs to change this rule and bring in the situation that the Lions that the Lions are one, the Browns are two when it comes on Fox. Or if it's a better matchup, put the Browns on one and Lions on two. I mean, you could use a me TV situation. I mean, Channel Eleven owns that, owns that right. Why not do it there? Why not do it there? Just answer that situation. And the second and the second part of this is a good thing. Of course, um last the last two shows, the last three shows, including this past Friday show has been one of the, the last two shows, the NHL preview show and the show that following Tuesday has been one of the top-rated shows on the Anchor Network this past week. And I am truly truly blessed and thank and I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart about that. I really, really thank you from the bottom of my heart for making this show possible and your continued support and your continuing ideas to pass this show on to the next person and to somebody else that cares about sports, cares about the local spectrum in sports. I thank you for that. And let's keep this rolling. This is, this is a great time in this area. We have all five major sports now happening. We have football. We have baseball in the playoffs. You have the NHL starting up. You have the NBA in preseason now. And you have... You have the NHL, the NBA, the NFL, college football. And the, the all these tours and the MLB all running together. All running together. It is a perfect, perfect spectrum. So come along for the ride. Because this is all Andy offered. And that's going to wrap it up for the program. Some news and notes. Housekeeping, of course. Thursday's show will be a tape show. We're going to be doing it live in Detroit. As the Jackets open up their season in Detroit. Um, It's going to be one of those walk-around shows. We don't know where we're going to be at. 
Uh, we might be doing a show here. We might be doing the show there. We don't know yet. It will be a Facebook Live show. It'll be a brief show. It'll be a pregame to the Red Wing Blue Jacket game. So pass that along to you as well. Don't forget, Friday we're going to be at Buffalo Wild Wings in Oregon, Ohio, for a special edition of All Andy Alford. As the Jackets open up against the Carolina Hurricanes, stop on in, grab some, grab, grab a bite to eat, enjoy watching the game, of course. But Saturday, October the 6th, is the big BGUT game. We will be there in attendance. It will be myself, Lucas Sigerson. We will be in the tailgate lot doing the show live. We'll give you your pregame, pregame hype for this game. You'll hear my take. Lucas's take as well too. He is a University of Toledo grad. He has he'll have all the UT stats and UT information. You will also hear our predictions for this for this game as well. So we don't know exactly where we're going to be at. We're debating between it's going to be between the tailgate lots on in on Door Street in the Door Street quarter at Rocket Hall in the 25 area. But we've gotten bad reception in that area. But we've also heard a lot of things about the Douglas Road area. And we're thinking about going into that section. If you are a follower on Twitter and you are a fan of the show and you tailgate at UT, pass it along. Tell me, where is the best place to tailgate at the University of Toledo? It is at all Andy Alford. It is at all Andy Alford. And you can follow the show by that part. And if you haven't subscribed to this podcast yet, what are you doing? Hit the subscribe button and pass it along. So that's going to wrap it up for all Andy Alford tonight. I hope you guys had a great time with this podcast tonight. And I want to dedicate this podcast to my loving mom. She's, uh, her birthday is today. I'm not going to tell her what your, her age is, but this show is dedicated to her. I love you, Mom. You mean the world to me. You are the everything in my life. You make me the man that I am today. So I love you, Mom, and happy birthday. To all those that... All those that serve and are serving in the military, thank you for everything that you do. And until next time I speak to you, which will be Thursday in Detroit, the Jackets Red Wing Opener, I'm Andy Alford, and I'm pulling for you. We're all in this together, the game of life. And to the teams that you root for at home, and to my teams, the Indians, go Tribe. Roll, Tribe, roll. To the Jackets, go Jackets. Go Walleye. Go Falcons and go Lions. Victory is sweetest when you have tasted defeat. Have a great week, everybody. I'll talk to you guys on Thursday in Detroit for the season opener for the Blue Jackets at Little Caesars Arena. Until then, love you. Talk to you then. This has been a presentation of the All Andy Alford Network, powered by Anchor. Good evening, everybody. This is Andy Alford, the host of All Andy Alford. And today is a special Falcon Friday edition of the program. This show is also being aired live on the Facebook network. Every Friday, we do a Falcon Friday edition of the program, and it's a Facebook Live edition. So this show is unedited, unrehearsed, and open to the public. So follow me on Facebook at Andy Alford, and follow the show on Twitter at All Andy Alford. And you're listening to the program today via the Anchor Network, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and so many more platforms. However you're listening to me, wherever you're listening to me, thank you for tuning into the program tonight. And now, let's start the show!
Uh. Jackets win! Jackets win! Jackets win! A big win to start the season right in Motown for the Columbus Blue Jackets. And now we head back to 200 West Nationwide Boulevard this evening for a special home opener as the Jackets take on the Hurricanes. The Lions are looking for a win, and the Browns game finally is going to be on TV this week. The baseball playoffs are now in full swing. We'll take a look at everything. And it is time, again, for one of the greatest rivalries in all of sports. Yes, in all of sports in this area. Forget, you know, Toledo versus Kalamazoo in hockey or Toledo-Fort Wade. Forget about the rivalry between, you know, Ohio State and Michigan. 39, 39, and 4. That's right. 39, 39, and 4. It is finally rivalry week in the Mid-American Conference and the house is divided on this special Falcon Friday edition of All Andy Alford. And you're either watching me on Facebook Live today or listening to me on the Anchor Network, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcast Now, Stitcher, wherever you're listening to me and watching me, however you're listening to me and watching me today, welcome into the program. And I love you guys, and welcome into this Friday, Friday edition of Falcon Friday edition of All Andy Alford. I am your host, that's great, with tuna and toast. Mr. Andy Elford, right here from the Man Cave Studios here in Toledo, Ohio. Truly a pleasure to be with you today. And you are listening to me and watching me on the plethora of platforms, whether it be with the Anchor app, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcast Now, Stitcher. However you're listening to this program today, wherever you're listening to this program, and whenever you're listening to this program. Thank you for tuning in to the program today. And you're also watching me on Facebook as Facebook Live it is typically every Friday edition of the program is a Falcon Friday edition of the program. So welcome into the program. Got a lot to get into tonight. Of course, we're going to talk about the NHL first and foremost. We'll dive into that. We'll also talk a little bit about the NFL. You'll hear my predictions for this upcoming weekend, and we'll dive into the Major League Baseball playoffs as well. But you can always be a part of the show by following us on Twitter. It is at all Andy Alfred. It is at All Andy Alfred. And you can also be a part of the show today on Facebook Live. Every Friday edition of the program is a Facebook Live show. So what you need to do, find me on Facebook, send a friend request. We're also going to be working on a page for this program as well, too. So it is going to be truly a pleasure. To be with you on this Friday edition. So let's dive right in on into it. And besides the big rivalry game happening in Toledo this weekend. We're going to start with something that's happening this evening. Down in the capital city. And that is the Columbus Blue Jackets. The Jackets were in action last night in Motown. And yours truly and the missus went up to the LCA. 
to see the Jackets for the first time this year. As the Jackets took on the Detroit Red Wings, and it was a tremendous game. Sloppy playing by the Red Wings. Only 18 shots in the game for the Wings. That's right. 18 shots for the full game. That's a young team that, and I'll, I'll give you my take on the Red Wings here in just a second. But the Jackets, let's we'll start with them first. I see a lot of great bright spots with this team. I really do. And I want to say hello to Joanne right there who's watching me on the program. I think this team, I, I, I stand with my prediction. I think they're going to make the Easter Conference. This game last night, though, in my opinion, feels like it sent them back just a tad. And one player in particular, in my opinion, and and I've said this, is Artemi Panarin. Panarin dangles the puck too much. They move the puck. He just makes tries to make a play and dangles the puck and moves it around too much. I just don't understand why this guy can't just pass the puck and find the opening for the for, find the openings. I really don't. He's trying to make a play out of absolutely nothing. And 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 to me, to me, it's just the fact that this guy is just absolutely horrendous. He's just horrendous. I mean, even though he got the game winner last night against the Red Wings, I give, you know, and I give him tons of credit for it. If you have the chance to pass the puck, pass the puck. Pass it to the next guy. There was plenty of times that Wierenski was open to take the shot. In the point, it could have been 5-2, it could have been 6-2, it could have been 5-3 at at many points in this game. But they got the job done. And the first goal of the season goes to the Cam Show himself, Cam Atkinson. It's the first goal of the season for the Blue Jackets. His first of the year uh, was then it was Charlowski for the Red Wings, bearing it past Jonas Corpusala. And I'll get to Corpy here in just a second. So it tied it up at one midway through the second. Josh Anderson takes a stupid penalty in the zone. A stupid penalty. Sets the Jackets back on a PK on the penalty kill. Moves them back. Penalty's over. Anderson comes out of the box and he buries it past Jimmy Howard. Gets the goal that he deserved on the set when he got the penalty. Gets the goal and it's 2-1 CBJ. And then you had Tyler Bertuzzi tying the game up in the third period. Forces overtime. And I'm sitting in the LCA. I'm sitting in LCA at the Little Caesars Arena with the misses. We're surrounded by Red play- fans. And there was a gentleman up in the upper level. I, I, I forget his name off the top of his head. He gave me his business card, by the way. He gave me his business card. He's uh, He knows uh, Kevin Schroeder, who's the dancing Kevin, who's the big fat guy who used to dance around for the Blue Jackets. He knows him. He's a sales rep now. He knows him. He, he, he says... He says to me, you know, we, we, we connected right away when we got into the arena, uh, when we got into the seats, shook his hand at the beginning of the seat, at the beginning of the game. I said, good luck to you guys tonight. You know, I give, I give the Red Wing fans credit. I give them respect 
wherever I go, wherever I go, I give respect to wherever I, the visiting opponent, I'm the visiting opponent, I give respect to whoever's traveling. I really do. I really do. And, and Amanda's laughing about it, but I do. I gave the guy a handshake. I said, good luck to you tonight, you know. And at the end of the game, I shook his hand again at the end of the game. And I said, you guys are going to have a good season. Have a good season as well, you know. And, you know, moved on with that. So we get to overtime. Panarin. Why, first of all, before I get to Panarin, again, why in God's name would you put Alexander Wenberg on the on the first line of the overtime period? He hasn't done shit in the last two seasons. You put him at center with Atkinson and Morinsky. He ain't going to do nothing. He hasn't done anything. He needs to go more more than Panarin right now. Wenberg is an absolute joke. An absolute joke. He has been given chance after chance after chance after chance. By Tortorella. And he's said it so many times. He's had meetings. He has helped this guy out. And he's done nothing. Absolutely nothing. You know what you need to do then? You need to set the example. You need to send him down. You need to send him down. You need to send him down to Cleveland. Make him play in the minors. Give him some time down there to think about how to become a better hockey player. Because Alexander Wenberg is an absolute joke. And he thinks he's, oh, he's the next best player. He's the next He's the next Nick Foligno. Oh, he's the next bull. Absolute bull. This guy is an absolute joke. Absolute joke. Wenberg, in my opinion, should be not playing with the Jackets. He should be what, what Jack Johnson was. Bench him! Bench him! Give the guys that were earning those spots in Cleveland an opportunity. He had countless times. He missed checks. He missed plays. I sat there in the upper level near the gondolas to see this guy play. Are you kidding me? I give, you know, and here's another thing. Here's another thing. Doobie played fantastic. He looks great. He looks fantastic. I, I give. He looks a lot leaner. He looks a lot healthier. I give Dubitsky all the credit for this one. For a good time. For a good game and good play. He knows where to put the puck. And the big key of this whole thing is Jonas Corposalo. Getting the nod over Sergei Bobrovsky last night. And only allowing two goals. He didn't get anything. He stopped. He he gave up. He stopped sixteen of eighteen last night, with a save percentage of a point nine zero zero. Absolutely fantastic. When Bob, if Bob ever leaves, I think the Jackets goaltending situation is pretty good. I really do. But uh, again, I I still sign Bob. Bob is the one thing. And we go back to Panarin. He wins the game in overtime. A great snipe beating Jimmy Howard. And the Jackets get the 3-2 victory. 
And again, I give the Red Wing fans credit. I will give them tons of credit. They have I give them a lot of respect. They did not treat me with any disrespect at all. They didn't disrespect my girlfriend. They didn't respect any didn't respect any of the Jacket fans that made their made the way in. And there was a good contingent of Blue Jackets fans. We invaded LCA. And here's another thing. If you're watching the game tonight for the Jackets, you'll notice that the place is sold out. Last night at LCA, they were not sold out. And let me say what it really is. The nickname for the Little Caesars Arena is the Slice. So the Slice was empty. It had nothing. I give... Uh, the, the opening ceremony was fantastic. Seeing Henrik Zetterberg, I gave, him a, I gave him a standing ovation. I gave him a clap. He was a great player. I love Hank. But some takeaways from Little Caesars Arena. Two things. It's a beautiful building. I give the Red Wings and the and and the city of Detroit a fantastic kudos to it. Absolutely beautiful building. You know, there's so much to do inside there that they take away the the thrill of the game. You know, there's a lot of restaurants, there's a lot of bars, there's a lot of activity in there. Two twofold. One, the lower bowl. The lower bowl is one of the steepest lower bowls I've seen in a long time. It takes you a long time to climb up and down. When we went down for warm-ups, I didn't realize how steep it was. And then when we climbed back up, I felt like it was it was bad. But the upper level is the worst. You need to pack the goats. You need to pack the, the, the binoculars. Because... If you're not sitting in the low, the final, like the four, six rows of the upper level, if you're not sitting there, you're going to get blocked by all the gondolas. And they have TVs along the gondolas. They have the TVs along the gondolas. So you can watch the game if you're being blocked by the gondolas. But you can still see the ice at lower level. So I was looking between the ice and the TV. That's as much as the window that you get for to look at the game. And for me, you know, I give it an 8 out of 10. I, I go back just to see the Jackets play. Maybe go see them play the Leafs. I met a lot of interesting people last night. I met, uh, I met a couple that was from Winnipeg, Manitoba. They were wearing Jets jerseys. Told them straight up, I think that they're going to win the Cup this year. I have good, and he said he has good feeling, too. I mean, you could tell he was Canadian. I met the the gentleman, like I said before. He was a guy for the brewer, for a brewery. He was a distributor for the for a brewery. Great guy. And then there was a guy that was in front of me, in the upper level, looked exactly like me, in a Red Wing uniform, with a Red Wing flag hanging off the back of him, and chanting Columbus sucks. They choked. How much did Tortorella pay you, referees? Blah, 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 blah. And the girlfriend tells me, that's exactly what you look like when you go to the games. So to all those that were were offended by my comments and everything like that that's happening in the back, you know, when I do that, I truly apologize. I really, truly apologize. I truly apologize for my actions. When I go to a live sporting event. When I go to a live sporting event. So, yeah. So, the Jackets get the win. 3-2 to two in Detroit. Did get a chance 
you know, and here, here's the program. Didn't get a chance to go get a slice of that. Didn't get spit in. It was delicious. Got a slice of pizza. Of course, you got to do it when you go up to up to the slice. Got to get a slice. And um, enjoyed the game, you know. And, and another thing, I'll, I'll say this. The concession prices were absolutely horrendous. Seven twenty-five for a large soda? You got to be kidding me. I pay six dollars. It's the most I pay at uh, at Nationwide. Four fifty here in in Toledo for for a drink. Seven dollars and twenty-five cents for a Sprite. Five dollars for a hot dog. Five dollars. Six seventy-five for an Italian sausage with peppers. You gotta be kidding me. It's what it is, the price of concessions. So the Jackets are one or three to two. Looking at some of the stats, the Jackets outshot Detroit. A slice of pizza, six dollars and seventy-five cents, CJ. Six seventy-five for a slice. I could have bought a whole hot now. And you could buy a whole large pizza. It's thirteen fifty. And here's the kicker. Here's the kicker of it all. Here is the Big thing about them. There's a chicken restaurant in there. It's called The Coop. Eight pieces of tenders and a basket of fries. $29.50. Eight pieces of tenders and fries for 30 bucks. Yes, that is a technical foul. $5 hot and ready. Yes, they still do that. Here. But they wanted thirteen fifty inside Little Caesars Arena for a hot now pizza. Absolutely horrendous. Jackets outshotting Detroit thirty nine to twenty. They were one for six on the power play. Detroit one for three on the power play. Detroit had twelve minutes in penalties to Columbus's six. They were out hit twenty to thirteen in the game. Corpusala, like I said, eighteen for twenty, a save percentage of a point nine zero zero. Jimmy Howard, 36 of 39, 9.23 save percentage. $30 for some chicken. Yeah, that's outrageous. And the girlfriend and I went to Wahlburgers before the game. We went to Greek Town. Had a great meal at, at Wahlburgers. Absolutely delicious. The best burger. I think that's one of the best burgers I've had in a long time. And it, it was a weird burger. I had a Thanksgiving burger, a turkey burger. I ate healthy. A turkey burger with stuffing, cranberry relish, and uh, roasted uh, roasted squash on the bottom. Delicious, a delicious burger. And it had, and if you remember the old Damon's, they have like an onion loaf for three dollars and fifty cents. I'm not banking. I'm not banking on, you know it. You know. It being the same price as when I back go back up there soon, but it was the best bur- one of the best burgers I've had in a long, long time. <sighs> as you are watching all Andy Alford tonight, right here on, <laughs> yes, it it is the Thanksgiving burger, Debbie. It is uh, the best burger. Uh, yeah, only three fifty for the onion straws. Delicious, delicious burger. Uh, let's look at some of the other stories in the NHL uh, on Wednesday. Toronto was a winner, three to two over Montreal. 
Washington a 7-0 win over Boston. Calgary was a loser to Vancouver 5-2. Anaheim a 5-2 win over the San Jose Sharks. And then last night, um, I see this. Thoughts on Stadium Burgers? Well, that's a good question. Stadium Burgers, in my opinion, it depends on how, you know, how good it can be. Uh, the ballpark at the Mud Hens, it's okay. Stadium Burgers at Little Caesars, you're paying about eighteen fifty, eighteen fifty for a hamburger at Little Caesars Arena. You can go to Wahlburgers for $9 and get the same good quality. Definitely could get the same good quality. Yes, uh, I see you, Debbie. Medium rare. I see it. See that. Go Leafs, go. Yes, the Leafs were in action. Uh, Wednesday, got the win over Montreal 3-2. to Last night, Chicago wins over Ottawa 4-3. to Pittsburgh was a winner 7-6 to over Washington. Winnipeg 5, St. Louis 1. Boston was a winner 4 to nothing over Buffalo. The Islanders 2, Carolina 1. Nashville getting a 3-2 win over the Rangers. Dallas a winner 3 to nothing over the Phoenix Coyotes. It was also Minnesota losing to Colorado 4-1. to And Philadelphia beating up on the Vegas Golden Knights 5-2. to Tonight in the docket, besides the Blue Jackets and Carolina Hurricanes game at 7 o'clock tonight, San Jose is in L.A. to take on the Kings. Saturday games look like this, some notable games. 1 o'clock Eastern, the Global Series game between the New Jersey Devils and the Edmonton Oilers. Hockey night in Canada looks like this. It will be the Ottawa Senators taking on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Montreal is in Pittsburgh to take on the Penguins. Vancouver is in Calgary to take on the Flames. And Philadelphia is in Colorado for that game as well. Sunday games, Toronto is in Chicago. Detroit then heads to L.A. And New York heads to Carolina. The opener, yes, for the Kings is tonight. Let's see here. I'm looking at some of the comments here. Stadium burgers or stadium cheesecakes, Katie Alford writes. My sister writes in. Um, I'll take the, I'll take the cheesesteaks. Uh, Debbie says $18.50 for a hamburger. Yes, $18.50. That did not include fries with that. If you wanted to add fries, it's $2.50 more. So that's $21 for one hamburger. Uh, sport analysis, dot, 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 food critic. You do it all. Yes, I do it all. As uh, my cousin basically says it, it's an all Andy Alford food review. Yes. Yes, Kings open up tonight. Yes, I am multi-talented indeed as you are watching and listening to all Andy Alford tonight right here on the Anchor Network. Also got a big mention of this as well, too. Uh, the Walleye are in action tonight. Game one of their preseason. Two games against Kalamazoo tonight in Kalamazoo, 7 o'clock, and then they'll be back at the hut to take on the Wings, 7 o'clock tomorrow night. <laughs> I hear there's a fan club meeting tonight. You are, guys are just absolutely a mess. So let's dive into it, and let's dive into Major League Baseball.